You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we finish our sermon series on the book of Colossians. This message is entitled, P.S. This is Important. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. I'm so glad that you're here today and I'm excited to share God's Word with you. Today we're going to finish our Colossians series. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, the fourth and final chapter of the book of Colossians. It's been so wonderful. I hope that y'all have enjoyed going through this book with me. God's blessed this sermon series. We've had a a salvation and a baptism, new church member, uh, through this. Uh, I'm always amazed at how you could take a A simple letter, really, that's what this was, was a letter to an early church. And how you can just study it and how you can see what it meant to them in that time and what it means to us in our time. We spent two months, and we could have spent a lot, lot longer. But uh, I wanted to make sure uh, that every, every verse was read and pull out all the truths we could get from this. We've talked to about what it meant to them, what it means to us, about the author, about the recipients. Today we're going to wrap it up, this short letter to the Colossians church. When I was a young boy, you know, we don't write letters too much anymore. Now we have text messages and emails. I was in fifth grade whenever my family moved to Gonzales, Louisiana, for a short period of time. And uh, I had a friend in Winsboro, Huey. And me and Huey agreed to be pen pals, and we wrote letters back and forth. And something I learned with writing letters, and I really don't know why we do this, it was like every letter had to include those few words, or two letters really, P.S. P.S., you know, remember to do this, remember to send me some money. P.S., remember I love you. I didn't even know what P.S. stood for until recently. It means postscript. It's something you write at the end of a letter. And it's something we do today. We include some very important things at the, the end of the main thought. And I don't want to put an idea in your head that, that Paul wrote P.S. to this letter because he didn't. But I see in the passage we're going to read today six very important things that Paul wanted the Colossian church to remember going forward. And six things that we can apply to our lives going forward. So we're going to read through Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through the end of the chapter. And we're going to go through these important things that are in the text as he gets ready to, to, to bid them farewell. Let's start in verses 2 um, through 4. He says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Here's the first importance this morning. First importance. P.S. Remember the importance of prayers. Every Christian, every one of us in here, if you are a born-again believer, if you have God's Holy Spirit inside you, you have the power of prayer in your tool belt. You may not have the ability like April to sing, and now I know she has the ability to play piano. You may be getting some more requests, April. But you may not have that ability. Lord knows I don't. You may not have the ability to preach. You may not have the ability to teach. You may not have the ability to reconcile people together. But believe this, every person in this room, if you're a Christian, you have the power of prayer. There's been nothing uncovered in this short epistle. 
from creation to salvation to sanctification to home life. Paul's given them the tools they need to grow in godliness. And here in these two verses, he reminds them of the power of their prayers. Like we've talked about all through May, it says in James, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in this, he instructs them to pray in two specific ways. One is watchful prayer. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. The King James Version, newer translations may say being watchful in it. The Colossians were were to pray with a, a mental alertness. Presumably, this means that they were to know the circumstances of life, particularly those which affected the spread of the gospel. You know what I've found? That informed prayer is likely to be more purposeful, personal, and powerful. Today, that's why we meet on Wednesday nights and have prayer meetings. That's why we have a prayer list. But more than just that, we're to be watchful in our prayers. Watch for needs you can pray for. As to pray with a person, take it to the Lord in prayer. Be watchful to specific needs you can pray for. And you know what? You may be surprised to learn this, but the things we should pray for is more than just sickness and disease. There's real spiritual warfare happening every day. Maybe even in this place right now, we should be watchful for those things. There are people who are having a hard time paying their bills. There's people who are lost and need to hear the gospel. There's people who are depressed, people who are lonely. Great needs that can only be met by Christ Himself. And as Christians, we have a direct line to Christ who is above all. We should be watching and watchful to things we can pray, pray for. And he says to do this with thanksgiving. One commentator stated that thankfulness is the environment for good praying and it provides a safeguard for informed praying. We can be thankful because we know what God has done. We know we have the victory. We know He hears us. So be watchful in your prayers because prayer is important. But Paul goes even a step further and like he closes out many of his letters, he tells them that, hey, you pray for us. Pray, pray for me that, that I'm in chains and pray that the gospel will go further. We see intercessory prayer. And in this verses three and four, we see intercessory prayers. It's amazing to me. You go read in First Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We know all about Paul, that he had all these apostolic gifts. Could he speak in tongues? Yeah. Could he heal people? Yeah. Could, could he... Uh, he could do all sorts of things. He had done so much for Christ. He had started churches. He was a great missionary. Yet here we see Paul humbling himself. And even though he has all these things, he asks for the prayers of people he had never even met. Why would he do such a thing? And I'll tell you why. He did it because he believed in the power of prayer. Intercessory prayer. I ask you this morning, church, not only what are you praying for, but whom are you praying for? I look at this and I realize if Paul wasn't too proud to ask for the prayers of other believers, once again, other believers he had not met, then why in the world would we be too proud to ask for prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ? 
tell you this this week it's it's official. I have been the pastor of Drop Prong over a year now. It's been a wonderful year, and I've got to know many of you, and many of you have done so much for me. I've received many meals. I've helped moving not once but twice. Encouragement, cards, all sorts of things, and it's all been great. But if I were to ask you for one thing, one thing it would be for your prayers. That's what Paul asked, and that's what I ask. Pray for for those in authority. Pray for your church. Pray for the convention this week. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Pray for your children. Intercessory prayer is powerful. We should pray to others. Paul wasn't too proud to ask for the prayers of the saints, and I'm not either, because prayers are important. Watchful prayer, praying for needs is important, and praying for people is important. Then I want to focus on this next verse in verse 5. He says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time, or making the best use of the time, your translation may be, may say. Walk in wisdom. This is the second important thing. It's the importance of wisdom. Wisdom is such an important virtue in the life of a believer. Wisdom is something that can't really be obtained by, by reading. Wisdom is something you get by being there and doing it and, and learning from yourself, but also learning from others, learning from the, the gray hairs in your environment. I'll tell you, one of the saddest things as I was reading this and I was really thinking about the importance of wisdom. One of the saddest things that I've seen that I believe that's happened today is seeing the division between younger people and older people. And it's everywhere. In church, I just want to tell you, it's wrong. It's, like, it's almost like there is a war on wisdom. Let me give you an example of this that I just learned about this last week. In Winsboro, there's an older man who's, who, uh, I don't know if he can go to church anymore because of his age, but he served as a deacon for years for First Baptist Winsboro. And I'm friends with the pastor of First Baptist Winsboro, and the pastor there, Craig, shared with me this story as he sat down with this 90-year-old man. This man was the superintendent of Franklin Parish School Board during a very tumultuous and divisive time. In First Baptist Winsboro, he was a deacon at the church. In First Baptist Winsboro, they were going to be really progressive, and they invited a, a speaker to come out uh, to speak about racial reconciliation and the process going forward to integrate the schools. Well, you know, that wasn't met by, by great, uh, great applause by everybody. As a matter of fact, somebody called the church the way I understand it, and they got the deacon's daughter, and they told that deacon's daughter that if they went through with that, the, the, it was the KKK, the best I can understand, that they were going to send a bomb and they were going to burn the church down. The man was scared. The daughter was scared. He talked with his daughter. He asked his daughter, do you want to go through with it? She said yes. So they went through with it at the church. He sat outside. Sure enough, as time went on, he saw a car circling and the man goes out there and he confronts what's going on. This is a man who stood up in a divisive time for what was right. 
This is a man that, that stood up to, to, for the rights for blacks and whites to worship together, to go to school together. He stood for what the Bible said and he risked his life and his daughter's life to do it. Well, here we are 50 years later, and I want you to know most people look at that man and they would say he's out of touch, he doesn't understand, he doesn't know anything about division, and some would even look at him and because of the, the church membership or the color of his skin, call him a white supremacist. That is just crazy. This man has a load of wisdom to offer. And instead of, of bringing him in saying, hey, you know what, we're divided now, you were divided then, what did you do? We just isolate people like that and think they have nothing to offer. Go to those who have been there before you. It's not to say that every old person is perfect. Sure, there were, there were old people on the wrong side of the aisle back then too. But there are heroes in our history that we can learn from. Every Timothy needs a Paul and every Paul needs a Timothy. Who are you learning from? It should be more than just me. You need help in your marriage. You need help in your relationships. Go to someone else who has been there before you. Oh, wisdom is so very important. Young adults this morning, let me just share with you, you're so blessed to be part of a church that has gray-haired men and women in this church. You would be wise to seek their counsel and learn from their wisdom. I'm close with the pastor in this very area in Pondville. And you know what he says that he wants in his church? He wants some older people. Because he sees that the younger people need some guidance. You've got people in this church that's lived through the death of children. You've got people that's, that's uh, lived through racism and segregation. You've got people that's lived through the death of a spouse. You've got people that have lived through everything. You would be crazy not to, not to go to them and partake of their wisdom. But older adults, wiser ones in this room, let me just tell you, surely you were wise enough to know what a blessing it is to have younger people in this congregation. Surely you're, you're wise enough to know what a blessing it is to have younger parents here. Surely you know how much they could use your help. And surely, 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 surely you know that change is absolutely inevitable. Let me give you a couple of examples. I mean, you go to Dick and Harry's farm up there in Williana. It's a wonderful thing. We're farming different now than we were 50 years ago. Because if you had to do all that by hand in a mule, you wouldn't get very much corn this year, church. Or what about this? How many of you enjoyed watching LSU play baseball last night on a smart, high-definition TV where you could watch it from the comfort of your house? If it wasn't for change, you'd have to be listening to an AM radio station in the middle of a storm. Change is inevitable, and as long as it's biblical, we shouldn't fight it. We should embrace it. Older people, if you have wisdom to offer, share it, not in a demanding fashion, but in a loving fashion. Wisdom is so important that we invest in the next generation and the younger generation learn from the older generation. There's a reason Paul took the time to say, hey, you walk in wisdom towards those who are on the outside making the best use of your time. We ain't got much time here. And people are on the outside looking. They should see a generation learning from an older generation. Second thing we see, third thing we see in this See, the importance of prayers, the importance of wisdom, 
Then in verse 5, he says this, Walk in wisdom toward those... I'm sorry, not verse 5, verse, uh, verse 6. Let your speech also be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. This is what I would call the importance of careful, careful conversation. Paul wanted them to know the importance of words. Christian, let me just tell you, your speech matters. There's power in the tongue. James 3 speaks about the power of the tongue. You can use your words to build up or you can use your words to break down. Don't abuse it. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Always be with grace. Think about who you're speaking to, who you're speaking with. Build up the body. Don't gossip. Don't backbite. Go to the source of the issue. We spend a lot of time, and, and rightly so, talking about cursing and curse words. But let me tell you, church, some of the most hurtful words aren't curse words. They're untrue, hateful words. Church, let me just remind you, this is important because your, your, your life, your tongue, is the only Bible that unbelievers hear or read. So they need to hear truth from you, not lies. They need to hear love from you, not hate. It's the importance of careful conversation. Paul goes on, and these verses we're tempted to read over, but I don't want to read over it this morning because there's some good truths in these next few verses, these next seven verses. In his final greetings in verse 7, he says, Tachikias, a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow co-workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have provided a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. A lot of people mentioned here. But what we see, it's a lot of people from a lot of backgrounds. We see those of the circumcision Jews, and we see Luke, the beloved uh, physician. We see Epaphras, who is one of you. We see Gentile and Jew alike. And this is what I take from this this morning, is that we should remember the importance of the members. Paul goes through a whole host of names. You could note several, but one I take note of is Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, he says in verse 9. Who is one of you? A runaway slave being one of them. What a powerful implication that simple verse has. It's the power of the gospel that anyone can become one of us. You're important. You are important as the ones that don't look like you, those that don't vote like you, those that don't think like you. Paul wanted these Colossians to know that he was but a member of a larger body and every member of that body is important. 
There's probably older men and younger men. All walks of life. And in this, I tell you, church, you really get a picture of the humility of the Apostle Paul in this verses. He was important. He was vital to the early church. But he wanted them to know, hey, guys, these other members are just as important as well. So don't you forget it, church. The members of the body are important. Verse 16, he says this. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So he's telling them to take this letter and you go to a neighboring community, Laodicea, and read it there. It would be like Paul telling us, you take what you got, and then you go down the road, you go to Bentley Baptist, or you go to Bethel Baptist, or you go to, to Hebron. And, and here's the thing about this. Here we see the importance of the body. Here we see the value of cooperation. He wanted this read at a different church with a different group of believers. And church member, let me tell you, you may be important, but remember, the body is important too. As a member, you don't want to do anything to harm the body. Support the body. Don't handicap it. That's one of the reasons we, we give to the cooperative program. That's one of the reasons we have associations. That's one of the reasons we pray together with other churches. That's one of the reasons I have no problem sending my kid to vacation Bible school at Kingsville and here this week. We work with other Christians and other churches for the advancement of God's great kingdom. That's what Paul did. That's what we do. And that's what you should do. It's the importance of the body. Then he closes the letter out, telling them farewell. I'll read verse 17 and 18. He says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Verse 18, he says, This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my change. Grace be with you. Amen. Paul wanted them to know that this letter was personal. Like, hey, I'm signing this. This is from me. But I think we can look at this and I think we can realize the importance of the word. He wrote this from prison for the advancement of the gospel to help believers grow in their faith. And these words are so very important. This Bible you have, man, it's, it's written in blood. When I, when I was flying, we had the federal aviation regulations. That One of the popular terms was, hey guys, you know these regulations are written in blood. Because we find out what... What went wrong? And then they write a regulation to fix it. Well, it's the same thing with the Bible. It's written by, by men who, who gave their life, who risked their life for the advancement of the gospel. One of my favorite verses, one of my most interesting verses I like to ponder is in 2 Peter 3.15. Peter, who was a disciple, he walked to talk with Jesus. Y'all know all about Peter. He walked on water. In his letter to that group of believers in 2 Peter 3.15, he says this, he says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. 
I think that's interesting because even all the way back in these Bible days, Peter looks at the epistles of Paul and he considers them every bit as inspired, every bit as truthful as the rest of the Scriptures. Every bit as truthful as as Daniel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel. He looks at the writings of Paul and he says, listen, these words, they're true. They're inspired and unstable people, they twist them to their destruction. He considers these words important as should we. Whatever we do, in word or deed, let it be grounded in the truth of Scripture. We've read all the way through the book of Colossians now. And Paul in this chapter, he has listed a lot of important things before closing out this letter. But church, the most important thing that this book reminds us of is that Christ is above all. He should be above anything and everything in our lives. And I just want to take a moment and I want to explain myself because... I've become kind of convicted on this a little bit as I've been preaching through this. I don't want to ask the question anymore, is Christ above all in your life? Because the thing is, that's, that's just downright heretical because the truth is Christ is above all. He's above all in your life whether you want Him to be or not. You think you've got a lot of control in a few weeks we're going to go through Esther and you're going to see how whatever control you think you have, you don't have it because you're not on the throne. Christ is. That's where He is. So I want to try to refrain from using that language. Is Christ above all in your life? Yeah, He is. My question to you is, are you going to let Him be there? Are you going to keep trying to take His position? Because that's the problem. Us in our sinful state... We keep trying to climb above Him and put ourselves on the throne. You'll never be able to do that. It never works out. Christ is above all. He always has been. He always will be. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And I just want to encourage you today, don't wait till that day. Do it today. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you'll remember these important things that the Apostle Paul closed out his letter to the Colossian church with. The importance of prayers, the importance of careful conversation, the importance of members, the importance of the body, and the importance of the Word. Thank you so much for joining us through this journey through the book of Colossians. I hope you'll come join us for worship sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Have a great week.